Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're super glad to have you here today. And as always, we would love it if you would go leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We love to hear from you and your ratings and reviews help other listeners like you find our podcast. So we appreciate them very much. Hey, I'm Ben Trueblood, and today is an amazing day because we are here with the whole LifeWay student training team. Everybody's here. We've got producer Nathan. What's up? We've got Katie. Hello. We've got Zach. Yo. And Chad. Hey. hey. <laughs> we've, got, we've got everybody. <laughs> this is a great day. So you can't obviously <laughs> see... Uh, our face, anybody's faces, but Zach and Chad are the faces behind Youth Ministry Booster, our essentials conferences, uh, all of the stuff that training team makes happen. Co-founders of Youth Ministry Booster, those, those are the guys. So we're super excited to have multiple people, the whole family together, so to speak, for this month's episodes are focused on what it takes to stay healthy as a ministry leader. And so that's where we're going to be all month long. So all four of our episodes this month is going to be the whole family together here sharing with you and talking with each other. And we're excited about that. The place that we need to start uh, in this journey of what it takes to be healthy as a ministry leader is with family. But as we do that, I think it's important to mention that family, like our, our minds, I think are trained to go immediately to spouse immediately to kids every single time we mention family but that isn't the case in every single use of the word family in fact we've been using the word family to describe our training team the mm. training component of lifeway students because i think there's a camaraderie and a relationship that's been developed here so let's start uh Chad, I'd love to hear your input on this, and let's let's give some ident uh, some some definition to the word family. Let's identify who can be in that word family for somebody. Yeah, so I mean that's a that's a really interesting question because I think I think sometimes when we think of family, d depending on your, I think, growing up, that may seem much more like a strict like mom, dad, siblings, right? For some people, family may be a little bit broader. It may in, in, incorporate, you know, grandmas, aunts, uncles, for some who have, you know, foster care, like family may be very broad. And then there are a lot of people, right, that see family as those friends and all, and you know what I mean? Those real close friendships and things like that. And so I think when we, we start to think through like, what is, what is family, um, I think for each of us, we probably look at that differently, right? And I think that probably some of the way that we were raised really affects that, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you say so, Zach? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is, I mean, obviously, like the playful way that a lot of youth speakers, and maybe you do this, listener, and you love it, maybe you do it, and you cringe when you hear it, uh, but, you know, family or fam, or as some of our uh, uh, Gen Z linguists would share, <laughs> fam jam, uh, it is the uh, rewriting of a connection beyond just blood. I, I think one thing that I love for the younger generation is that there is a sense of camaraderie uh like an open use to the word family that kind of like uh, gets rearranged beyond just who you're born into 
And so I think it's, I think it's a welcome thing. There is a there is a certain understanding of each other uh, and linking arms uh, by the kinds of work you do or the challenges that you tackle and take on. I mean, like we we talk about it a lot, especially this summer traveling and talking to you pastors. Like there is a certain like in the trenches together mentality, whether that's like yeah. a band of brothers cue for you, uh, or that's like you know like that we're in this like ship together like there is something to like i already understand hey guys i got camp this week and it's like man i already understood what you said when you shared that yeah <laughs> like exactly. i already know how to put hey i got back from vbs guys i had to help run vbs Trevor, i understand yeah. i guess it's like there was <laughs> there's an understanding i just like a queued up understanding for that and i think that's one of the things that i mean we love it because we've been on the road together i mean we literally have been in a minivan together as the five of us yeah I think, you know, <laughs> if you ever share if you share a van with people you're basically you're family fam, so yeah. yeah it's uh yeah we've we've been in a minivan where the driver who will not be named has dozed off one of these oh. has, has fallen asleep at the wheel we had to it was a little scary for a second that the, the thing learned there is don't don't pound the brahms milkshake and then drive uh drive for a long distance at a time that's a bad combination I, I, I disagree. I think there's <laughs> never a bad time to pound a Brahms milkshake. And so for you to say other words, otherwise, I, I just don't know if I belong in this family. If those are the lines that we're about to draw in the sand. There's, that is not we, a shared experience. In the heat of the day. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, really, the hotter it is, the better the milkshake. The better is. the shake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least the, at least the beginning phase of it. That, yeah. So as we talk about, so just to put a little definition on family, because I know that there are listeners that there are men and women listening to this. And like when we start off talking about, man, we need to consider family as what it takes to, to be a healthy minister. Your mind Mm -hmm. goes to, well, my family lives really far away, or I am a single person who is leading in student ministry. And what we wanted to do there at the beginning is just say, no, there are probably people that live around you in close proximity now that you would say, for this season in my life, they are fulfilling that role, either based on a set of shared experiences or closeness in relationship uh, or whatever factor, but you have those names in your mind. And so with that as kind of the foundation, let's talk about investment and intentional investment in the family. So this mm-hmm. is the this is the minister. What does it take to be healthy? And it, it's gonna take it's gonna take me investing in that in the family part of my life. What does that look like? I th- I think I think when we start to think through what does it mean to invest in our family. And and I love where we started of kind of identifying this. And so immediately where my mind goes is who am I in the family? Because I think that's a really important question. Like you think about like growing up your own family. At one point for me, I was, you know, a son. Now I'm a father. Right. And so my investment in that family looked differently. And, And so I think for each of us, in the relationships that we have, we probably have some different roles at different times. And I think both of those are good, right? 
So there are some relationships that we have with other ministers, other great friends, where we are that little bit of that father figure, that we're caring for them, that we're really encouraging, shaping in some ways. And then I think it's important that we also have people in our life that we're a little bit the kid, right? Uh, that we're learning from them, that we maybe have, you know, a, a mother figure or somebody as well that can care for and nurture in that way. And and I think those are healthy. And then I also think those sibling relationships. <laughs> and, and, you know, I know that when I was younger, me and my brother fought a lot. Um, but in the same way, now that we're older, having that respect for one another, care for one another. I mean, I know even when I don't talk to my brother for a long time, I can call him and pick right back up, mm. right? And so investing in those relationships, I think – um, it, it causes some real self-reflection. I know that when I'm unhealthy, I often project that into the other relationships in my life and I can carry that in. And so I, I think when we start to t talk about investing in these, these, fa these families, we first look at ourselves, And I think that's probably a pretty decent starting point. Zach, what do you think just in terms of uh, approaching intentionally investing in family. Chad, I appreciate you naming the role. Uh, so one of the things that is very real uh, in my uh, family uh, is we're going to have a first grader this fall. And it's about having a first grader and buying white New Balance shoes that just really makes <laughs> middle age sit differently on my shoulders. <laughs> and uh, and I've, I've been dad for six years, but there's something different about like the ways in which I'm thinking about what my oldest Isaiah is going through. And so I think, um, I mean, Chad, one of the things we talked about a lot, like we started doing the booster thing because we were at a place uh, at 2930 that we were no longer the young guys in the room of ministry. We'd go to these roundtable meetings mm -hmm. uh, for, for Oklahoma statewide kind of convention stuff. We'd look around, and a lot of the guys that had like mentored and trained us either were no longer in the room or we're clearly the old guys, and we were like in the middle. And I think there's some kind of like, like you shared, Chad, a self-check and awareness of where am I in relation to the room and what am I doing to make space for? I think sometimes investment is what we have to give, but there is an element of investment that like makes space for someone else. Uh, and I think, I mean, summer is easy to do some of this because maybe you've got some college students or interns that are showing up to help that you didn't have during the school year, you know, like joy upon joy this summer, uh, like, you know, we all missed last summer, but some of my former students, uh, like, like seven or eight of them came back to be sponsors in the youth ministry camp experience a couple weeks ago, uh, even though I was no longer like a part of the camp experience. And so there was something like that investment had paid off. And I'm so thankful for my predecessor or for, for the guy that followed me at church to, to welcome them in, to lead and be a part of the family of what it means to lead at camp. Because I don't know, I'm a camp junkie. We talk about on the podcast a lot. Like I love camp because it is uh, an alternate community, a parallel universe of how we as the church relate to each other. And I just think for a lot of folks listening in student ministry, like it's not just do you have something to say or give, but are you the kind of live, uh, leader that's gracious enough to make space to not just give like input or wisdom, but to like give space and time uh, for other folks to like stretch and grow. I just know that like those are the moments that help me so much to become who I 
was longing to be was the the leaders that saw me for who maybe I had like capacity or potential to be. Uh, and those became the big brother figures, the mentor, the father and ministry figures that saw me not just who I was, but maybe who I could be. And mm -hmm. so I don't know. I think I think you're right, Chad, in kind of identifying where do you fit in some of those relational dynamics because you may no longer be the young, cool, creative, hip youth minister. You may be like the older brother uh, that needs to not be discouraged or discouraging when the younger brother comes back home. Don't. Sure. Well, I think there, there, there's there's a level of humility that has to be in place for any of this to work, um, of really investing in anybody, taking time for it. Um, one of the things that I've often seen in ministry, and I and it was true in my own life, when you're brand new in ministry, you, you know that you don't know what you're doing, right? And there causes this, like, dependency on the Lord and a willingness to, like, learn from others and have others invest in you. And then there's this, like, really bad moment where you become competent enough to stop being dependent. Hmm. And, and that's when it's you're just, like, you get in those rhythms and those habits of ministry and you're like, well, I know how to do this. I've done this before. I already got that spreadsheet, right? And all these kind of things. And you can find yourself on an island really, really quickly. And I think the ones that make it that are in ministry for a long time get past that hump. They find humility again and go, wait, I really haven't known how to do it this whole time. There causes this dependency on the Lord. And you begin to learn and truly learn with enough knowledge to know what you need to learn, which I think is a really important part of ministry and growing. And and that's the one of the best times to not only be learning for people younger and older than you, but to also start investing again. And I think that all three of those places are great places to dive in, to invest in these relationships, these families. I want to hear from you guys. When was a time... And, and really quick, that someone really invested in you that made a big impact. Man, I would go to a uh, college pastor at one of the first churches I served in. Um, mm. Man, I was super young, and this college pastor had been around for a little while. Uh, was not, like, really, really old, but, you know, I was probably early 20s, 23, 24, and he was early 30s. So enough ahead of me in ministry where there was initial respect just on the outset without without getting to know him at all. And then yeah. as I got, he was probably the first person to really challenge me to think theologically about anything. Uh, and man, when you start, like some of you might be listening to this and your your ministry journey has been called to ministry and then went to Bible college and then went to seminary and then started in ministry. That was not my journey. I just yeah. a straight line through. <laughs> I started like I was serving at my first church as a middle school pastor at the age of 21, still in undergrad and no Bible college, no, yeah. no seminary. So all I was doing was what the lead student pastor was telling me to do and what I had seen in student ministries that I had been in as a teenager. Right. And this guy was the first person to really challenge me to think through a theological lens about the, about the ministry decisions 
that I was making. And man, like that really, that was somebody that really impacted my overall philosophy of ministry. The, the building blocks for that began in those moments because he took the time to say, Hey, let's get yep. together on a frequent basis and let's just talk. Love it. Yeah. For, for me, it was kind of the same situation, but associate pastor at the church I grew up in just, um, just did a great job of just mentoring me through ministry. I learned so much about just like people skills in ministry, evaluating, looking at different angles. Um, and then just really like, what does it mean to actually take care of and serve the body of Christ in that ministry role? And not just cause I could be very head down driven. Let's just, here's my mm. goal, you know, yeah. and young and just, you know, that young and kind of dumb and just want to bulldoze over stuff to get to my goal. And he really helped put me in check and say, you know, you've got to think about the people along the way. You've got to think about how this affects people and those kind of things. He did a fantastic job just mentoring me through those kind of situations. My example, I guess, is a, is a little bit different, and I can't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before or not, but when I was in college, I was heavily involved in our church's college ministry, and kind of out of nowhere, the kids minister at our church tapped me, and she said, hey, I really would love for you to be the kids ministry intern, and I just kind of looked at her, and I was like, why? I mean, <laughs> I said, I don't, I'll be real honest, I don't even know where the kids ministry is is in our church like <laughs> had never stepped foot in it hadn't like couldn't even point you in the right direction um and throughout that relationship it really did turn into a mentoring discipleship relationship it was not at all about uh about the minister like about ministry to kids it was a direct discipleship relationship which i feel so grateful for and that that level of investment that was poured into me like we might have been cutting construction paper for that week's craft. But it, you know, again, it wasn't about the craft. It wasn't about what was taking place in the kids ministry. It was that direct, direct investment in me. And I'll just say, before we move on, like one of the things that kept coming up as we were talking about family and like, and the intentional investment is, you know, family, however you define that, whether it's the family directly or around you or your chosen family, like we've kind of heard it said before that like family are the people that you that you feel like are are closest to you, that are sticking around. And so sometimes we are at our worst around our family. Like we're willing for our family people mm-hmm. to see us at our worst. And I think that the caution there for all of us is like when you're in that place, um, whether it is the family in your home or again, your chosen family of like the intentional investment is to is to be able to recognize like, hey, I'm in a place where maybe other people are getting this version of me that's beaten down either by the pressures of ministry or otherwise. And like, so the intentionality there is to be able to recognize that and make an investment in whatever way feels right for the situation and for the people around you. Is that, is that one of the biggest obstacles you guys think is that it causes to be vulnerable? You have to be right. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think there's the vulnerability element and I think there's also that, that goes with that. The, those are the people that have seen me at their worst. And I think for ministry people, there's always this dynamic of, I have to let people see me at my best. Mm-hmm. Like when I walk the mm-hmm. halls or when I am in conversations at work, so to speak, or out in the community, I need to always be seen as at my best. 
And so mm. there's this weird tension that is, I'm not always at my best. This group of people has seen me at my worst, but then when they see me out here acting like I'm at my best, that's not congruent. And there, there's, I think there's tension there. And I think for me, sure. the lesson that is not all the way learned, but is still being chipped away at is this whole, I have to make sure people see me at my best always is just a lie. Mm-hmm. It's right. just a lie. And sh- certainly we don't need to unload a hundred percent of all of our stuff right, right. on everyone that we see. But I think by and large, we lie to ourselves in that when the people that we pastor, they don't want to see us at our best all the time. They just want to see us and how we mm-hmm. live for Jesus beyond what we are teaching or saying. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think when we want everybody to see us always at our best, I think there's a part of that too. When we, we fail, it just becomes this spiral of like, well, I can never even be my own like projection of who I am. Right. And we just, it just eats us alive. I know for Zach and I, one of the things that we've talked a lot about with our own friendship that, that really helped us get to that next level and like investing in who we are as friends is, we've told each other and we've, we've walked through it. We've seen each other at our worst and we haven't left. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's a, a important part of investing in family and investing in others of that commitment and trust that you're like, Hey buddy, I, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Even when we fight and yell at each other. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference between like friend, just especially acquaintances or even friends and family is that you can walk through some difficulty and you're not questioning whether or not this thing is still around tomorrow. Mm, That's good. So we, I want to, at the end of each one of these episodes, remember we're going to be talking about what it takes to be a healthy minister over the next four episodes. And I want to make sure we end each episode with a really clear action, like one practical step. Uh, So Zach, I'm going to go to you with this one for today and just say, what is one practical step towards investing in family that people can take right now? I'm a minister. I'm looking around at the group of people that I would consider my family. What's one intentional step that I can take this week to begin to do that? I would pick one person and call them every day for two weeks. Um, don't don't complicate it more than that other than just being consistent to do that one thing even when uh, they're too busy to answer and they have to call back. I mean, maybe let them know you're going to call them every day so they're not just like totally <laughs> like, like panicking. Why are you calling me every day? Uh, but like making an agreement between you and someone else to call them every day at roughly the same time. And even when you don't have something to talk about specifically, make the call. I I think there is something to being relationally available enough or relationally committed enough that we don't fall into the typical ministry trap of what we see play out online or in the hallways on Sunday 
of only asking of and for people when we have a specific need in mind. Uh, I have found that the best wisdom and reflection happened when we didn't even know what we were going to talk about or really how to ask. If you resonated with today's episode, we'd love to invite you to be part of Youth Ministry Booster, our membership community of over 400 caring and growing youth ministers across the country who are having conversations just like this one. Your calling demands community and the types of relationships we've talked about in order for you to be a healthy person even before you're a healthy minister. Join today so we can match you in a year-long mastermind small group of peers who understand your context but are not in your context. Registration closes August 31st. Visit youthministrybooster.com to learn more. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. Come back next week for the next episode in our series. We'll see you then.